It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your radio show host, Randy Fine. Today's special guest, psychic therapist and spiritual teacher Vincent Jenna, MSW, shares insights on how to identify deeper issues the pandemic may be triggering and what steps to take to change. Uh, The thoughts of, I'm tired of being stuck at home with you, (laughs) and converted to, I'm so grateful you're here with me. Vincent Jenna MSW is known as a tell-it-like-it-is, truly authentic spiritual teacher and psychic therapist. He combines his extraordinary psychic abilities, academic credentials, and genuine, all-loving approach to provide healing for body, mind, and spirit. As a psychic therapist, Vincent uses his more than 36 years of training, research, and experience in the metaphysical, psychology, and spiritual fields to dive deep into your psyche to release blockages, resistances, and self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors so you can fulfill the life of your dreams. Currently, Vincent can be heard hosting his own weekly radio show called Stop Stopping Yourself on Unity Online Radio. Vincent teaches all levels of psychic and mediumship skills, including communicating with animals. Good morning, Vincent, and welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Oh, my goodness. Good morning, Randy. How are you doing this morning? It's so wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) You are so very welcome. Well, thank you for being my guest. Uh, So I understand that you were in the movie Grease. You were actor, singer, (laughs) dancer. (laughs) Oh, you went digging on me. I can't keep that hidden, can I? Yes. That's my biggest claim to fame of my entire acting career of 35 years. It's having been a singer and dancer in that movie. And I don't mind that being the, the, the biggest claim to fame. It was a big movie. It was a big, big movie. It's a classic movie. All generations watch that movie. So um, that's exciting. Okay, you didn't have to go there, Randy. You just gave away my age now. Generations, I, you're right, but I hate hearing that. Generations have watched it. Well, <laughs> I'm you an know, and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't referring to you. I was referring to the year the movie was made. So <laughs> You're right, but they, I was 22 when I made that movie, so you can imagine how many four decades ago. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> right, okay. right. Oh, my right. gosh. It's so fun. <laughs> right. Exactly. I got my grandkids watching it now. That's, that's what's hysterical about it. So, yes, had a great, it was a wonderful time. It really was. I'll bet. I'll bet. And it saved my life. It turned around my entire life and helped me to become a psychic medium. And how so? Okay. 
So I was the tormented one going through school. I was the bully, all right, bullied. And I was really the only bullied one out of this entire school of elementary, junior high, and high school, all the same kids. So until I was 17 years old, almost every day, I was chased home, caught, beat up, shoved in lockers, head flushed in toilets, spit on, peed on, um, totally humiliated all the time. And um, what happened was I had done that movie just before our 10-year high school reunion. And it became an overnight success, as we know. So there was a whole write-up about me being in the movie, even though I didn't have any major part, but that was okay. It's a small-town guy, Levittown, New York, in Long Island, you know, makes it into big movie with John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, and all of this fame stuff happened to me. And so I went to the reunion with my wife, and all of a sudden, it was like a Cinderella story. Everybody was treating me royally. The girls were gathered around my table. They all wanted to know about Hollywood. All the kids who used to pick on me, all the jocks used to come up. The one kid who was the famous jock and the class clown who antagonized the other kids to pick on me, he automatically befriended me, shouted my name from the moment he saw me, came and gave me a big hug, sat at my table the entire time, kept bringing people over. We had a great time. We really did. We even went out again to diner and spent all hours of the morning together talking, laughing. Well, he all of a sudden became a really close friend. He turned from <laughs> hating me to loving me. Did he apologize? His, did, you know what? You know what, Randy? I didn't want anybody to apologize because I didn't want them to feel bad. Okay. And if they were trying to, I would stop them. I would stop them and I'd say, no, 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 no. We were all kids. Don't even go there. No need to, to okay. even talk about that. But there was no need in my heart for forgiveness either. It was the strangest thing. That was what was odd about this whole thing. Now, in hindsight, when I look back, I understand why. Apparently, I had a road. I had a mission in my life, and that was all part of my mission. Because when, I, when what happened to me happened, it, it then began to make sense. So this guy's life was falling apart, and I knew it. But he was not the kind to share that with anybody. There was a little narcissistic part of him. He was the guy who rented the Porsche for the <laughs> 10-year reunion to show how successful he was. And all he did was talk about his success. But I liked him anyway because I saw it down deep inside him. Okay. After spending a weekend with him, and the entire weekend was about him bragging about his childhood sweetheart he married, the three beautiful kids he had, the incredible job he had, the beautiful condo in Connecticut that he had that we were visiting, my wife and I, for the weekend. I just kept hearing something else in my head. I kept hearing BS, 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 something's wrong here. And on our trip back home, I was hysterical crying because my heart was breaking for him. And my wife didn't know. She's like, what is wrong with you? This guy is, has such a great life. I said, no, he doesn't. I know, no, he doesn't. I know something is wrong. I know his life is falling apart. I don't know how to help him. And because of him, I cried out to God for the first time in my life, even after I'd been picked on, never cried out to God for help. 
I was begging God to give me the ability to help him and people like him because I knew what it was like to not have any self-esteem or self-belief, and I knew this guy was suffering. It was within a week. Steven Spielberg couldn't have created a better movie than the one that I went through with all paranormal stuff, with, with spirits, with psychics getting involved in my life, with trancing and voices coming through other people to tell me who I am in front of a whole group of people. My whole life is going to change. I'm going to be a spiritual teacher. The soul of Jesus is around me, yada, yada, yada. Oh, my gosh. We all thought that I was going nuts, but we couldn't help but see the, the signs in front of us and all this information that was coming through. So it was because of him I became who I am today. And he was my first spiritual student and client. He is now a spiritual teacher himself. Oh, no. And I was right, by the way. <laughs> wow. He was, he was in the process of his wife left him, took the kids, he lost his job, and he was needing serious back surgery, and he was being kicked out of his condo. That's how bad his life was. Nobody knew it except me. And I was the only guy who was there by his side the entire time helping him. And, and so this, that was a transformation I had from my, my enemy became the catalyst of my gifts. I'm now, I, I bet you didn't expect to hear that story today. I don't <laughs> no, think. No, that's uh, an incredible story. Wow, I love it. Right? I love it. Right? It's so, crazy story, but it was wonderful. And, uh, oh, yeah, he sends people to me all the time. He follows me wherever I go. He, he surprises me by showing up at events. He's, um, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He just talks about how I've, I saved his life. I turned him around. And, uh, yeah, and now he's out there teaching, too. Awesome. Right? At what point did you, uh, at this point, were you a psychologist? Were you a licensed psychologist? No. Oh, God, no, no. I was was an actor. I I was in the movie Grease, but that's because I wanted to be a professional actor. Okay. Are you kidding? Randy, all I cared about is I made room on a shelf for an Oscar, an Emmy, a Tony, and I wasn't going to stop until I got those three awards. And boy, did that change. So, okay. no, I had no interest. In, I didn't even want, when this stuff started happening to me and people were telling me, oh, my gosh, you're psychic, I, I consider that an insult. Because all I knew of psychics were the crazy loony people in California. (laughs) Well, they're still crazy loony in California. So, I mean, psychic or not. But (laughs) I didn't want to be known as that. And I certainly wasn't a therapist. But after this happened to me, and it became stronger and stronger, and I kept being guided, the right people kept coming up, and then I was guided into doing readings, so I got hooked up with a psychic fair, and I was doing part-time readings on Sundays, you know, once a month, once a week, and um, I was still trying to pursue my acting career, and then I changed, and because we had a second child, and things weren't going anywhere with my acting career, so I went out, and I became actually a motivational instructor, 
and a mobile disc jockey for a disc jockey entertainment company that did weddings and bar mitzvahs and, you know, retirement parties and things like that, right? And it was a major company in New Jersey. We were living there at the time. And I got involved with them, which was great. And then I even started my own business because I was so successful in what I was doing. So I was doing that for a while, but I I wanted more. And I didn't know, other than doing part-time readings, I didn't know what else to do with that. And while I was doing the readings, it was, I was an intuitive counselor or transformational counselor. I wasn't a psychic. I didn't tell anybody I was a psychic. I didn't want them to think I was crazy. Shh, don't tell anybody, right? Yeah, I Uh, mean... this was not a, um, a widely accepted kind of. Um, oh, it was in the eighties, the early eighties, right. and so right. yes, and I'm, we were living in New Jersey in a small town, and certainly not known there. You know, psychic right. fairs occasionally you heard of, but you either went to them if you were interested in that stuff, or you completely avoided them and knew that they were all nuts, right? right. And there I, I am mean, getting involved in them. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been into metaphysical since um, oh probably the seventies, and wow. um, and yeah, and people really thought I was a kook, um, and so and, right? and I you know and I would I'd bring it up you know around people who I knew were really like had no idea just just to see their reactions. <laughs> And they would just look at me like, I don't get you at all. But um, since I've been doing this show, and I, and I have had so many um, guests that are part of the metaphysical, psychic, mediums, channelers, people who have crossed over, um, and just a whole variety of people, wow. I love it because there's a community here. There's a huge yes. community here that gets it. So, um, and I... I'm in awe of that gift. I think that's amazing. So, um, oh, I, I thank know that, you. Yes. Yeah. I know that spirit um, does give these gifts, and often to people who are completely surprised by them. So, <laughs> so oh, that totally. Doesn't... But I do believe because of this guy starting out as my enemy and turning into my best friend. I do believe that I must have had some kind of soul contract because everything fell into its place. Yes. And one of the good things, one of the things that I was inspired to do, even though I felt strange being involved in the metaphysical world, I started researching right away. I mean, I have put in 37 years of study and research constantly. I still study today mm-hmm. because I want my gifts to be as 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 well-rounded and diverse as possible um, because I'm helping people's lives. I'm transforming people's lives. I touch the depth of who they are. I see their dark side. I see their blessings. I see their gifts. So I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So that's all I've been doing. And why I went back to school, it was the interesting thing, is I was in an automobile accident and I could no longer do the full-time work that I was doing as a, as a motivational entertainer. I couldn't get to the studio. I couldn't drive anymore. And then somebody just, one of my clients in my part-time readings who used to come to me all the time, turned around and said, why don't you just go back to school and get your psychotherapy degree because I get more help from you than I do from my own therapist. 
you yeah. know, and my wife said the same thing. Now, I had no college, no schooling, because when I graduated high school, I went into acting full-time, and as actors back then, we didn't need think we need schooling. You just take lessons. That's all. Right. Okay. So I gave up wonderful scholarships from wonderful universities that I received for my acting ability, and and. Uh, and I had to go back to school full time. So here I am. I was 39 years old. We had two children already. My wife was going to work. She was working full time. I stopped working altogether because I couldn't, and I went back to school full time. She supported us with two kids, and it took me seven years, but I did get my BA in psychology. I did not complete the doctorate's degree only because as an adult my advisor was like oh you don't have to go for your doctorate's degree if you want to counsel you only need your social work degree to be a counselor a psychologist it can only do testing above you that's it and i wasn't interested in doing testing i was just interested in in therapy and so that's what i did and 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 as a psychic all my my bosses and my supervisors would turn around and say my god vince you have a sixth sense for this because you can diagnose a client within five minutes of meeting them, and it really takes a couple of weeks of seeing them in order to get the true diagnosis, and you're so accurate. And I'm like, gee, I guess I'm just fortunate. Um, and I'm like, I didn't want to tell them. I was right. using my psychic ability. So, yes, so I had my own practice as a psychotherapist for several years, and then I wound up being offered a position in hospice, Duke Hospice over here in North Carolina. I didn't know if I would really like that, but I figured if I'm a medium and I am a psychic, what better way to learn about living than working with the dying? And it really did help. It it taught me so much, and I felt so blessed. I mean, I worked with over 500 patients in helping them in their transitioning phase and helping to support their their loved ones, their caregivers. And it was the most amazing experience. But then after a while, when when you're a licensed psychotherapist, you're supposed to follow certain rules and regulations and guidelines. And I couldn't stand following those guidelines because I'd have a client come and sit in front of me and I had to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about your father? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I saw what their issue was right away. And I was like, oh, if we can just go there, my God, it would save years. That's why right. they go to 12 years of therapy. Right. You know, it's interesting that you say that because um, I counsel people who are suffering from narcissistic abuse. And I have um, an ability to tap into the spirit world and give them the information they need to hear. Um, But I'm not licensed. And I always tell people it's a gift to not be licensed because I don't have to play that game. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I have the freedom to do what I want to do. And, you know, and so people have a problem with the fact that I, not, not my, you know, the people who come to me, but, um, there are people Others. who have oh, a problem yeah. with judgmentalness. Yeah, that I don't is have terrible. letters after my name. But I've been studying my field for an entire lifetime. I would have a PhD. So um, you know, it's I get it. I get it. So I want to talk to you today about. So I know that you help people with relationships, and mm-hmm. um, right now relationships are 
difficult for many people because we're confined. And um, if if you're in a relationship with someone that you're not used to spending 24-7 with, it could be very challenging, right? Well, there's where I might have a difference of opinion. Okay. 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 All right. We are not confined. Here's the issue. All that cabin fever stuff, we're not confined. We can go out anytime we want. We can go sit in the backyard. We can go sit in the front yard. We can even go walking in the park now. So okay. what is the cabin fever that people are getting? What the cabin fever is, is actually a sign other issues going on. And the sign is you not necessarily having full control over your life because when your routine is broken, your issues come to the surface. You can't be spontaneous. Our routines have been broken. The routine of getting up every morning, having breakfast, taking the shower, getting ready, go to work. Do your work there. Have lunch if you have time. Maybe do some meetings, whatever you have to get done. Come home, prepare dinner, sit down. If you're lucky, the both of you have dinner together. Maybe you have plans in the evening, doing the plans. Then come home, go to bed, and do the same thing the next day. That routine is broken up now. And now people are faced with thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And what they're thinking and feeling are issues because this coronavirus has incited and inflamed old fears because of all the negativity. But stress will do that. Uh, it, it, it's a psychological anomaly that goes on with the brain, and, and we hold in all of these negative experiences from the moment we're born until the moment we die, and that, that kind of like a bottle. And that bottle gets filled up, and it gets filled up really fast when there's a crisis of any kind. And there's a stopper on the bottle. Now, if you have a productive life and you do something that's rewarding, fulfilling, and very positive, you actually keep emptying out that bottle. But if you don't, it keeps getting filled up until the cork cracks. What couples are experiencing are their cracked corks because first of all like attracts like the couple that are together really are meant to be together and they can make it work however if each of them have their own issues that they have not personally resolved gone into taken care of guess where it's going to have its effect it's going to have its effect on the couple on the person that you're with these people are going to be, and the word stuck, I think is hysterical to start with, stuck. I am blessed that I am in the house or here under these conditions with my wife. We've been together for 47 years, married for 42 oh, this year. Amazing. And we, we, every day we say, if we have to go through this like this, I am so grateful that I'm going through this with you. And let me tell you the close proximity we work. She's sitting at the desk doing her job. I'm sitting four feet away at a counter doing mine. We don't interfere with each other. If we get up and we have lunch, we'll have lunch together. We go back to work. All of a sudden, now the clock is 6 o'clock. Wow! I can't believe the time that went by. And we stop everything and say, that's it. We're done. Let's sit down, have dinner. Let's sit down, watch TV, listen to a book. 
Have some fun. Oh, you want to play games? Great. Let's do some Zoom with the grandkids. How fabulous. It has to be. If, if people are having issues with their partner, that's a signal. Why would you marry and be with somebody that you cannot tolerate being with for a long period of time? <laughs> that, that oh, is, isn't that a, a, an, a, a complete contradiction of the reason why you're together? And they want to call it, well, it's normal. When people are on top of each other, it's normal. Please, we've got 8 billion people in the world. There is, it's impossible not to be on top of each other today, unless you want to go live in a mountain by yourself. But you see, there are people who want to be like that, Randy, and that's the issue. If you need N-E-E-D, you need to be alone. Something is wrong because that's not the natural part of a human. We are social beings and we actually need each other. Look at what's happening because we are stuck at home. We are missing being with people. There's where the stress is lying. We're missing other stimulation as well because we want so much. And quite honestly, what you wind up saying is, well, the person that I'm with is not feeding me enough stimulation here. That's still an issue. But we're social beings. You should be loving the fact that at least there's somebody else. I actually feel bad for those who are not in a partner relationship and are stuck in the homes by themselves. Yes. Now, you're shy, introverted people. They love that. I've already had some people say, oh, my God, this is a blessing. I don't have to be around anybody else. Well, mm -hmm. that's a sign that something's wrong, right? That is not a positive trait. That's an issue and a result from some past pains and hurts. Yes, it is. And I agree. Yes, absolutely. So it's the same thing in a couple relationship. So that's just like, like I said, I can't stand being with you. I think that's hysterical. Or the couple where the, the husband is in the other room with the noise-canceling headphones on so he can't hear his wife complaining to him or making out a honeydew list. You, you know, he's got the – I'm sorry, honey, I can't hear you. Right. You know, uh, or, or ha, have you seen the meme, I think it's hysterical, where the wife is out in the backyard – and she's obviously digging a grave. And the husband's looking out the window and says, oh, how nice. My wife decided to get into gardening. <laughs> you know? And you see this rectangular perfect grave to fit a body, you know. And, and, and so, it's also so hysterical that the women are doing that. Go ahead. So I have a question. Okay. So um, if you're saying that we – the relationships that we get into, um, that we should be able to tolerate the other person, um, especially during a time like this. Relationships often are two people with things that they're working out together. Sometimes they need each other. This is a, like attracts like. So we magnetically we go to people who have issues that we need to either work on or they have, you know, a, a similar kind of issue. So we can't all attract the perfect person. 
Um, uh, what, do you, what are can. your thoughts on that? You can- yes, we <laughs> absolutely can. We don't attract because we need the other person. We attract because we're needy and we attract the like. Okay. Because right. when you're growing up, you have every human has the same emotional needs that need to be met. The love, the caring, the compassion, all of that, all of those needs, knowing that you're lovable. As a matter of fact, there are only two things you learn from your parents growing up, and it's the most important two things. Everything else you'll learn from the world, and those are whether you're lovable and how to love yourself. You're right. So if there, yes, if you leave that environment without having a positive understanding of those two things, You're seeking unconsciously, you wind up seeking somebody else to help you meet those needs, Mm -hmm. but on a deeper level, you are attracting somebody who has the exact same needs, and now you put two people together who are dying for love, and they both starve to death because you can't, and you hear couples say it all the time. Um, you don't meet my emotional needs and relationships end. None of yes. the relationship, I can't, well, I won't say none of them. Most of the relationships today are not together for the right reasons. And they, that's why they're not working as well. That's why there is so much, the, the most natural thing on the face of the earth today and the most abundant thing on the face of the earth is love. It's because that's what we're made of. That's what we're here to experience but we experienced the lack of it because we never felt it for ourselves. And so, of course, the couples today, we've come to accept what's normal in a couple, just like what you were just saying, is that these two people need to, to come together. There's only one reason why we're supposed to come together, is to learn more about yourself and how wonderful you are by what you're giving to the other person. Exactly. My, I, I do the work that I do, not because of the love I receive from my wife, but because of the amount of love I have for my wife. When I come to recognize I have that much compassion, I have that much love to give this one person, I now know I have enough to give everybody else. That's not yes. the way it's been working. And no. yes. Go ahead. I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I got, oh, my yeah, God. No, I got so absolutely. much to say on it. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, and this is, um, you know, this is the core of those uh, clients that I work with. This is the core because, yeah. um, you know, and, and the idea, the concept of self-love is so completely foreign to these That's people right. because they've been That's told, right that they are not lovable, they're not worthy. Um, and, so, and, I, and so I completely agree. I say, you know, if the well is full, you can help everybody you want to help. Because most people who have suffered in childhood are very compassionate people and they want to help others. It's yes. just kind of a natural progression. And I say it doesn't mean you have to stop helping others, but you have to stop for a little bit and focus on yourself, fill your well, and then you have it flooding out and you can give to anybody. So right. um, I completely agree with you. And I, and, but sometimes we have to 
go through rough relationships in order to come to that and find that aspect of ourselves. Because it's, it's, it's a human nature thing. It's a spiritual thing for us to, for most of the time, it doesn't happen with everybody, unfortunately. We know how to make lemonade when lemons are thrown to us, okay? That's because of our souls. So any misfortunate um, or unfortunate experience we go through, including what we're going through right now, we will turn into a positive because of that positive aspect within us. However, we don't need to go through a fire to know it burns. All we have to do is look and see the damage that it causes a piece of wood. We now can figure out what it would cause our bodies. Therefore, we don't have to personally keep experiencing bad relationships in order to know what a good relationship is. Right. This is what I tell most people. Because like attracts like, I actually do a whole workshop called Attract, um, All You Need Is Love, Attract and Maintain Perfect Relationships, because I do believe you can attract and have a perfect relationship with somebody. And perfection in this world does not mean not ending growth. That's what's so perfect about it is you continue to grow. A definition of perfection is actually wrong. <laughs> We, we think being perfect means we've reached the top peak of what you can reach. No, being perfect is to know you're constantly growing and you have even more ways to go because that's the, the purpose of evolution. You keep evolving and growing. That's what's so perfect about life. So when you attract somebody, you help to learn more about yourself, including your weaknesses, including your right. own weaknesses, but now you've got a partner, just like you said earlier, to work with, but not on each other's problems, on your own. When I do couple counseling and couple therapy, I never teach one how to communicate with the other or how to listen to the other. Because now you're saying there's something wrong with the couple. You're not listening to each other. You have to learn how to communicate to each other. No, you don't. You have to learn how to communicate with yourself. The moment all of everything, self-love, self-learning, self-understanding, immediately gets extended out onto the, to the rest of the world and to other people. So when you communicate with yourself the correct way and you are gentle and you are loving and, and you are kind, you will automatically do that with the other person because that's how you know what's going on inside of you. It extends from us. We're natural that way. So you're with a, another person and a partner in such a deep relationship so that you can go deep within about yourself. We all have stories and we've had stories for, for centuries now because we've been off track for a very long time here on this. And so as long as we have stories, there's healing to be done. Doing it alone, okay, you can do that. But when you have the support of a partner doing that, that's why my wife and I have, have done such great work. Since this has happened to me and, and I did change and had the spiritual awakening, We've been doing nothing but self-work, but we do it together. Our communication skills are incredible because of that. So we'll read a book, a self-improvement book, a spiritual book, whatever, and we'll talk about it. 
right? How did it make you feel? How did it make me feel? We'll go to a seminar and we talk about it. We go to a spiritual center and we talk about it. We watch a movie and we sit there and we talk about it. We do everything we can all the time to grow, but we do it together. Right. I wanted to say something. Oh, go ahead, I, yeah. <laughs> it is my turn. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, you, you can interrupt me anytime because I get so passionate about these subjects, Randy, that I don't know when to shut up. Well, it's okay. It's okay. I've been doing this a long time. I don't mind interrupting. <laughs> Good. Uh, if I've got something to say. Okay, so let's let's just focus a little bit on the nature of many of my listeners, and that is that they have been pulled into a um, a fraudulent relationship that represented itself to be something in the beginning, um, and because of whatever vulnerability they had that they may not have realized they had, they got sucked into something that ended up tearing them down and stealing their self from them because narcissists are, are predators and they're parasites. And so when, when they dupe you into getting into a relationship with them, the next thing is a, a pattern of manipulations and tactics to, to tear you down. So what I'm talking about is this um, emotional blindness, this psychic blindness, uh, I mean psych- psychological blindness is what I'm saying, that um, gets people into these relationships, and really they need to get out of them once they wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I teach people also is to get out of their head and into their intuition because narcissists train you to think like they think. Um, and so we can't go into our heads. We have to go into our intuition. And, fo- and the way things feel in our body, we have to learn to feel that. And the self-love, of course. So anyway, what is your thoughts on that? Because um, so, you know, it's not a matter of choosing the right person they they think they are choosing the right person because that person checks all the boxes initially Mm, okay it happens before that randy it happens way before that like i said like attracts like It, it it's it's all based on attraction and attraction has nothing to do with another person nothing The person that you wind up meeting, and this has been psychologically proven and scientifically proven with research. For example, women who have been physically abused by their fathers, 80% of them get involved with violent partners. Now, how does that happen? The woman goes to a party, and there's 10 single men at the party, right? And out of the 10 single men at the party, she winds up looking at one guy. One guy winds up looking at her, and there's an attraction, and he starts talking with her. And they get hooked up, and then three months later into the relationship, he socks her in the face. The other nine would have been fine, but how did she wind up with the one abuser? It's because... The way she was treated when she was younger, she developed a belief 
deep down inside that she deserved to be abused and that that's what love was all about. Remember I said in the beginning, the two things you learned from your parents growing up is whether you're lovable and how to love yourself. And the how to love yourself pattern could be bad. So if you have an abusive father and that's all you know, that's actually psychologically what you start to grasp onto believing you deserve. Now the psychologists want to know, okay, well, how does she wind up attracting the abuser then? Because it's all about energy. It's about what is she putting out unconsciously and subconsciously into the universe. We know people get attracted to each other for non-understandable reasons. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what. There was just a feeling that I had that I'm with you. It's not by chance. Nothing is by chance. Everything is on purpose. So if this woman is putting out an energy that she believes to, that she deserves to be abused, she will energetically attract the partner who's going to do the abusing. So what does that say about the women who are attracting the narcissists? Examine the women. Now, first of all, what everybody has to understand, a narcissist does not start out being a narcissist. Right. Narcissism is a defense mechanism. Right. It's an right. extreme defense mechanism. So right. to the level and degree that a person is narcissistic is the level and degree that they believe they are the worthless piece of garbage on the face of the earth. Absolutely. All right. Now you've got a woman who is a or a man, or a man. That. This happens. This happens. Or a man. Yes, exactly. Men can. It, it happens unfortunately happens more to women, women statistically than it does men, because be, believe it or not, there there are women narcissists, but men tend to be more narcissistic than women, it, just because of the the socialization of the male gender, right? As as being or supposed to be superior. And that's what they you know, taught themselves. You know, Vincent, so of course, I want to I, wanna, I want to interrupt you there because um, okay, the statistics, in my opinion, are absolutely wrong um, because these well, kind of things a little don't skewed. get reported. Uh, and I I have just as many men coming to me about women that I have women coming to me about men, and I think well, that's because um, you're good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. I okay, hope so. so you're going to, to attract. That goes to show you how good you are because you can attract an equal amount. But but let's say let's say you're right about that. That's fine. It doesn't matter whether it's man or man or woman. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. How? But the attractor, the other partner, has a low sense of self-esteem to start with. Right. So there they are. It, it, it's like the, the passive shy person who winds up attracting the dominant personality in the partner because there's a part of her or him that's used to being mothered, taken care of, um, being controlled. So the energy you put out is based completely on the self-belief you have about yourself, which is what part of the cure is all about. So, so, of course, uh, so, they're not going so, to be able to get out of those relationships. Right. So if what you're saying is that um, we want to attract um, something that's good for us or something we yes. can actually learn from, then we all need to 
have therapy before we even begin to get into relationships because many people don't even know that they have those vulnerabilities. They don't understand it, right? Well, they don't know it. Only 2 to 5% of the human mind is in conscious awareness. 2 right. to 5%. That means 95 to 98% of the human mind is unconscious awareness below the surface. That's why the iceberg, you know the image of the iceberg they use to represent the model of the human mind, and they show the small portion that sticks out of the water, that's your consciousness, and then the large portion is your uh, subconscious and unconscious mind. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in there that you're not even aware you have. But this is where the spiritual element comes in, and I'm not talking about religious beliefs or anything like that. I'm talking about the energy of us. When whatever is in your unconscious mind is actually doing the controlling and attracting of your life, you're guided more by your unconscious mind without you even knowing it. You think your, your conscious mind is control, but the, the premise of most of my work is that most people do not believe what they think they believe because of the anomalies that go on with your brain. You're right. Your brain purposely, the, the two highest functions of the brain, Randy, are to keep us alive, that's number one, and to protect us. That's how it keeps us alive. The way it protects us physically, we understand. Like during the coronavirus, they said one of the first symptoms besides coughing is a fever. Well, it's not the coronavirus causing the fever. It's your brain purposely raising the temperature of your body in order to make it an unlivable environment for the virus. So it's trying to protect you. Well, it, it does that also for emotional reasons. So if you have a lot of emotional pain and you wind up leaving your youth with the concepts of I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving, I'm not lovable, whatever, that is painful to go through life that way. So what the brain does is now create a new set of beliefs to shield you and protect you from the old ones. But the old ones are still inside of you. The reason why most people do not have the relationships they deserve, because they don't believe deep down they deserve them. That's the work I have to do. I have to make them recognize and see the moment they see that, they can release that. But their defense mechanisms are telling them, no, you're good. You deserve a good relationship. It's just that there's a whole bunch of jerks in the world. And and that's the reason why. Or where I live, there's not enough. Or back in the old days, it used to be, oh, sure, all the good men are either taken or gay. (laughs) That was the excuse back then. But that's an adult defense mechanism. I have a whole book that I've written based on that and a whole workshop on my website that people can get based on that. Stop stopping yourself and become unstoppable. Yes. There are psychological anomalies that happen to us, but we're not aware that that's what's happening. So when when a person is turning around and saying, yes, no, I didn't deserve to attract, of course you didn't deserve to attract a narcissist, but until you change the beliefs you have about yourself to start with, that's the pattern you're going to keep doing. And, right. and, and how many of them, right, turn around and say, oh, my gosh, I, I married my father, I married my mother, <laughs> and they were both yeah. abusive. There you go. It's because that's how you learn to love yourself. This is how I tell people. Let me me ask you a question. I'm going to stop you and ask you a question. Absolutely. Um, Okay. 
So let's give um, so let's give my listeners a roadmap. Now, if you were going to give them a roadmap, would mm. you say your book and your workshop? Um, how how do we give them a roadmap to find their way energetically to what? They okay. Deserve? Besides my a book, the book isn't even published yet, or you definitely the lectures are great. There's two of them, God, It's Not Working, and Stop Stopping Yourself. That's fine. But this is what they first need to do, okay? This is a simple form. There's two parts to it. The first thing I want everybody to do is get a pad and a pen, and I want you to write this title down at the top of the page, The Top Ten Traits. I want in my partner. Now list the most important traits, whatever they are. I'm sure you can write 20 of them, but just write 10. Okay? After you finish writing the 10th one, go back to the title, cross out the word partner, and write in the word me. Not me, Vinny. Just me, M-E. The mm. top ten traits I want in me. Because mm. here is the guarantee. Okay. You work on those traits. You work on enhancing them, getting rid of the ones you don't want. The self-work that is absolutely necessary, that list then becomes a guarantee of what you will attract. And nobody is going to be able to convince me that they did that and still attracted somebody else. They may think they did that. They may have done that in their conscious minds, but they didn't set it and engrave it in your unconscious heart of minds. I love this. Because I'm going to I'm going to use this actually. Use it. Mind. Use it. You're I'm more than to welcome use to use it. <laughs> it's yes. it's the whole point of the matter. It's why we're here to understand. That's why we have to understand the spiritual side of us, not just the psychological side of us. Because we have power, Randy. We're tapped into power and we manifest based on our beliefs. If we're I don't, I don't want your listeners to get the wrong idea from me. I do not condone. I've worked with narcissists my entire career. I know them really well, and I know the abusive relationships that they create. Absolutely. However, I've got to add to that. Okay? When I work with the so-called victim of a narcissist, and I say so-called mm-hmm. because I don't, I know you list, they're going to hate me when I say this. There is no such thing as a victim, not in this world. I can guarantee you that that person who attracted the narcissist is even more abusive of themselves than the narcissist is. And that's, that's, that's why it's very manifesting, true. right, and that's why it's manifesting in the outer world for them. If you walk down the street constantly believing you're a piece of crap and people are going to abuse you, guess what? You're going to walk right past the first guy who bumps into you or pushes you over or wants to beat you up for absolutely no reason at all. And then people say, oh, my gosh, I'm so unlucky. But how did you walk out of the house? 
Did you walk out of the house knowing that you deserve some wonderful things? Or did you walk out of the house expecting abuse, expecting to be treated like garbage when in fact you are a magnificent being? And it doesn't require people or parents to prove that to you, though that's what we were supposed to have is we were supposed to be nurtured into believing in our magnificent, but do you know how many people believe they're magnificent? Not many. That's why no. we're struggling so much. Yes, you're right. You're right. So, so, and I hate to put it that way, but yeah, because now people have to take on the responsibility of, so you're telling me I'm the one who caused all of this? Look, let's get over that fact. Let's just throw that away real quick, and let's get out of the guilt mode of what we've created for ourselves that are bad, because then, then wouldn't you want to know that you were the one that caused, not because you made a bad choice, but because of the way you believe of yourself, you attracted that narcissist. Now, guess what? The moment you start believing you are a princess or a, or a knight or a prince, you're going to attract your princess or knight in shining armor. The moment you believe that, wouldn't you want to believe that? Why do you think we come up with these fairy tale icons? It's because it's possible we just forgot how to get that. And the moment you do, and you know what? Princes and, and um, princesses, they all go to the bathroom too. So it's not <laughs> like they're perfect. You know what I mean? Is we have to stop looking at them as perfect icons. It doesn't mean that you're going to be absolutely perfect. My wife and I get into fights, but you know what we do when we get into a fight? We go into our corners, and after we calm down, the first thing we do, because we practice it so much, is, okay, what do I have still inside of me that I allowed to get pushed? What mm -hmm. button was that? And it always is, always is about me, or always is just about her and how she's feeling about herself. That's how arguments start, because most of them start simply, of course, unless you're in an abusive relationship, but even them... People become abusive because of that emotional need that they have, you know? It's the only way that they're going to realize or believe that they're loved is if you go along with every single aspect. I mean, it, you know, not getting political, but we have a leader who all he cares about is his image. So you can, my God, that poor guy. Actually, I can actually say that. I have so much compassion for our leader, primarily because he is so hurting about himself that he constantly needs to look good. Yes. Because that's how bad he felt when he was a kid. Well, and so if you so, can take um, those examples and apply them. I have to interrupt them. you because we're coming oh, down God, to the yes. end. Oh, <laughs> uh, It went fast, didn't it? <laughs> well, it went, you ask so many questions. Right now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> it goes fast yes. because I talk so much. Exactly, exactly. But you had a lot of great things to say, you know, and I completely agree with you. You know, I use, quickly, I use the word victim with my clients initially so that the mental, um, psychologically, yes. mentally, emotionally, they can separate themselves from the yes. situation. But I use survivor once they're out. Um, but I get what you're saying energetically. This is a concept that people who have not embraced this energetic aspect of who we are, I mean, we are energy, um, it's a concept that's kind of 
you know, far-fetched for many people, and they have to come to it. But I absolutely think that everything, I mean, what you're saying, I completely agree with on a personal level. But um, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know that you have a radio show weekly called Stop Stopping Yourself. It's on Unity Online Radio. And um, what is your website, Vincent? It's it's vincentjenna.com, and that's with a G-E-N-N-A. And I absolutely get and understand what you're talking about, Randy, on a professional level for people. I work with mainstream people Mm -hmm. as well as I work with, you know, the metaphysical and the spiritual people. Right. And they do do have to understand. But one of the things that I I try to do for them is empower them. Right, Um, exactly. Empower them to take control of their lives. And they can. That's the whole thing. That's a great way to end it. Okay. And your website is? Oh, you told us. Okay. Yes, vincentjenna.com. Okay, and everything is on there, the workshop and the information about your upcoming book and all those things. Absolutely, everything. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Wow, this was fun. (laughs) Oh, it is, and it's such a passionate, um, you know, um, conversation, and exactly the work that you do is heavy-duty, heavy-duty. Very heavy, yes. Working with survivors, absolutely. It's really tough, and and they, too, can, can have an incredible, Incredible life, and they will. Yes, they I will. agree. That's yes, exactly. Um, so anyway, well, um, I so appreciate what you do. I'm, you know, you're you're very fortunate to have the gift that you have, but more fortunate are those who come to work with you, and um, because I'm sure you change lives very quickly. But anyway, I want to thank you so much for being my guest and um, and just sharing this. Um, universal wisdom with all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Randy, for having me on and having the tolerance to put up with this arrogant Italian New Yorker. I just, you know, (laughs) that's just my background. I'm to tell it like it is, psychic therapist. I can handle anything, Vincent. (laughs) You can. can, You're very wise and a very old soul. And thank you for putting out this format for speakers like myself to be able to share our messages. So thank you very much for that. You are so welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So we are out of time, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at loveyourlife@randy.com. Fine.com. So may joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.